Hello, hello. You have reached the Black of the Berry podcast, and this is Where You At, Inner Child? And I would like to introduce my dope guest today, Javi. Where you at, Javi? Hey, how are you? How's everything? I'm all right. How about yourself? I'm doing excellent. We got to catch up a little bit, you know, before, you know, our interview, which I'm very happy that we did because it's been a few years. But if you want to kind of introduce yourself and talk about, you know, where people can reach you at, um, and then we can get into our overall conversation. All right. So my name is Javi Mason, and I am known as the Bowtie Psychic. I'm a psychic, intuitive medium, and author who uses divination and storytelling to help people overcome generational trauma. And uh, one way I do that is by using inner child energy or tapping into inner child energy to, um, to help people heal. And so um, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Word. Um, I'm really excited to kind of have this conversation because even as a person who's still in the process of learning about kind of inner child work and tapping into that energy and I mean, I feel like I've kind of been doing that for a long time in a lot of ways, especially with working with kids, but I'm really excited to learn more and especially to learn more from you. Um, because even talking about like your work with tarot, um how you've been doing it since 99 i didn't even know that so i'm just really excited to kind of learn more from you um and see where it goes like yeah and i'm hoping that all of you that are listening right now really you know get some very useful information um, as to what it looks like to do the inner child work and to work through generational trauma. I know something that those are something, two topics that are often spoken about online, but I think it's really dope to kind of hear someone's voice and hear them talk about it um, at length. So um, my first thing I, I want to say is like, we were talking just a little bit about um, how we met um, <laughs> and how we met in a situation with a nonprofit and the nonprofit can be named <laughs> um, which is AmeriCorps which is uh, kind of kind of perpetuates a lot of kind of generational uh, trauma and guilt right around service work <laughs> right. right yeah um, and so, I mean, I think that was kind of a trying time for the both of us, and we don't have to get too in-depth of it, but I just wanted to give a backstory, kind of how we met in this uh, AmeriCorps educational program, and um, it was some things that went down that maybe we didn't agree with, um, and how that has gotten us kind of to the path that we're on now and being definitely more intentional probably about well me at least being more intentional about how I move in spaces and um how service looks and how my labor looks um, right <laughs> because you know I mean if you don't know if many people don't know AmeriCorps can be kind of exploitive when it comes to things like that especially labor and um kind of 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I'm glad that you brought that up too because like I'm just putting this out here too that I've learned about myself in regards to how um, children operate mm-hmm. and how uh, generational trauma operates, you know, through mm-hmm. um, different systems, especially when it comes to our education and when our social economic statuses and how um, our self-worth is pretty much determined by, you know, in the minds of the people who don't know better, it's, it's pretty much determined how, uh, you know, by how uh, we are raised and, and what type of environment that we were raised in. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I've learned a lot about learning disabilities, you know, um, how children are treated due to, the, due to, uh, due to those, um, those things and uh, how the new world, you know, mm-hmm. treats children. You know, in those type of situations, especially you know, if they are impoverished or seen as impoverished. Exactly. You know, so it's like that. I appreciate in regards to AmeriCorps. Yes. However, I feel like a lot of the of the time, you know, and we talked a little bit about this before. Like, because it's a government agency or organization, um, it doesn't take into consideration the trauma that mm-hmm. a lot of these kids go through and mm-hmm. a lot of what workers go through. And what we are, and what we are witnessing, and so when we are placed in a situation to put ourselves in the, you know, in the, in the, in the, the mind, in the shoes of the children, you know, sometimes I feel like it triggered more, you know, a, a lot of our, a, a, a lot of our trauma and a lot of what we haven't dealt with at that time, and I felt Speaking. like that was what I went through as well. You know, because I feel like I was very sensitive, mm-hmm. you know, on how the children were, were being treated and, you know, sometimes and how, or certain kids rather, and how we were treated as workers, especially if, you know, a lot of us did not have the opportunity to work on our trauma in, in full. Exactly. So, so that's, that, that's definitely what I learned yeah. during the, that whole process. I definitely can agree with you as far as kind of what it looks like to kind of uplift that trauma-informed care, um, not only for the children, but of course for us, right? And especially when I'm thinking about work, talking about inner child work, right? Right. It's going to, all of that, your childhood triumphs and traumas are definitely always going to come up, especially when you're around kids. I mean... Now it's been, what, a total of 12 years that I've been working in schools at many different positions within the spaces. But I know, especially when I was in America and I was, we were, I was placed at the site that I was, like, I was put in a, not put in a classroom, but I was asked to be in a classroom with 12 to 14 teenage black girls right and I just remember um kind of what it was for told to me about all of these young girls was like hey they all have these attitudes they all have these da 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 they feel this way they feel that way and you know being in that classroom really showed me myself and so that's one thing that I'm very thankful about having that experience. However, it was brought to me was just 
it allowed me to do a lot of self-check and a lot of um, inner child work because like I really saw myself through those young women that I was working in the classroom with and then thought to myself like wow how many young black women are being these like labels of attitude and all of these things are being put on them without a full understanding and scope of like what's going on in their everyday lives <laughs> you know right. yeah right and i kind of feel too like that is um that's the case for a lot of impoverished or or people or kids who are seen impoverished especially if they are black or uh, non-black children of color mm-hmm. where um we like a lot of us we're seeing uh, you know what had to probably they don't see a lot of the trauma at least um they know they don't take into consideration mm-hmm. a lot of the generational trauma that children go through. Mm-hmm. You know, and even though um, it's a lot better, you know, than how we grew up, because at least you know kids have access to the internet, they have access to uh, online support, mm-hmm. you know, and counseling. Um, a lot of us who grew up in a whole different era, a whole different generation, did not have that. Mm-hmm. And so when we are working with other children um, and we're working, you know, in those types of situations, we see a lot of ourselves, especially if we haven't done our own work, mm-hmm. we see a lot of ourselves in those children because we we were um, survivors. We're survivors of those stereotypes. Mm-hmm. We're very much survivors of those, those assumptions that, yes, um, they have attitude problems or they're never going to be anything because they're, you know, they're from the hood, or um, they're just going to be barefoot and pregnant, or they're not educated enough to understand the concepts that are in the classroom, when in actuality, there are many other factors that play into, you know, why a child shows up the way they do. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like a lot of these institutions um, are doing these kids a great uh, disservice. Um, it's simply because the teachers and um, the administrators have may not have done their own inner child work in mm-hmm. regards to how uh, they show up in the world. And how, um, I, I really do feel that uh, intersection and intersectionality is also very important when doing inner child energy work. Because yes. a lot of us have been made fun of because of our social economic status. Racism is the, the, the imprint and or the, or the reason why um, children feel the way they do about themselves. or. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a learning disability could be the reason why, you know, they feel the way they do. They've been ridiculed and shamed for having a learning disability or a developmental disability. There's, mm-hmm. um, there's like, religion, spirituality affiliation, mm-hmm. you know, could be the reason, too. So there's a, a lot of factors that play into trauma. It's not just about sexual abuse or emotional abuse or, or even something that's physical. Yeah. You know, it, it could definitely be political as well or, um, and that is to be taken to, into consideration when mm-hmm. um, we are working with children. Exactly. And it's like if you don't have that, those skills or are not building on those skills or not doing the kind of the work with yourself, it becomes even harder to hold space for young people when they are, you know, processing and going through those um, those things. Um, I guess my, I want to just step back a little bit and just even for those people who 
um, maybe haven't heard of this the idea or the work around inner child work what does inner child work mean to you and what pushed you to get into this work well um inner child work is basically you working with uh, a younger version of yourself right that that within your unconscious mind is the person that drives your 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 behavior your thoughts as an adult and if you don't listen to them but because back up a little bit um inner, when you're doing inner child work you're the, you have to, have to understand that um as an adult when you are not healed it is usually because that child did not get their needs met okay mm-hmm. so there's a lot of people walking around unhealed uh, from childhood trauma mm-hmm. and as a result of that um life could be a bit chaotic and so for me, inner child work is about, you know, paying attention and listening to that inner child, reparenting yourself, mm-hmm. um, and learning how to nurture and honor the feeling of that little version of you that's mm. still within you. Mm. And so um, by doing that, I use tarot to basically help um, people see what happened and where everything happened. What did it happen? When, when did this, uh, the event that changed everything happen? Mm. And then we go from there. Okay. Wow. So, and I'm sorry, what was your second question? And my second question was around what brought you to the work? What brought me to the work was my own healing, mm-hmm. right? So, I was working, like I said before, I've been working with Nikila Asha for about two years or so. And so, at this point, I'm very spiritually tapped in, like spiritually very much connected to my spirit guides, my spirit squad, my ancestors, so on and so forth. And so I realized while I was, you know, doing this work, why certain behaviors were coming up, you know, Mm -hmm. especially when it came to, um, you know, sex or um, relationships and how I showed up in the world, you Mm -hmm. know, and didn't show up in the world, right? Because yeah. there was a lot of me isolating and things like that. And so it took me writing my book and working with Nikila to realize that there's a lot of, there's some inner child stuff that I had not even looked at yet. There are some things about my childhood that I haven't looked at in detail. Mm-hmm. And it took me starting the process of writing my novel and finally paying attention to that excuse me, that I realized that, look, this is what's happening. My inner child tonight gets their needs met. Um, my inner child, that little version of myself who lived in Springfield, you know, and, you know, and, and lived with my, you know, my parents who argued and, you know, um, was subjected to abuse, was abused, abusive themselves. That person was not listened to and I cannot move forward um, until that person that little one is still within me, um, has their story told. Mm. So that's how, you know, I came about um, doing inner child energy work for myself and other people. Right. That's so dope. I mean, and just to highlight, like, you're here today to tell that story. And 
Um, this is also for audience that this is a storytelling platform. So this is Javi's story. Um, and I want you to take heed that yes, you can take things from this, from this interview. Also, just be mindful that this is a place to validate and lift other people's stories. And your story might not look exactly like this, but it is important that people have the space to, to tell their stories. Um, and just thinking about kind of inner child work and like what brought you to this and writing your book what what has been what brought you to the place to say um yes i'm finally ready to write all of this down and i'm ready to tell this story um for one my transition played a huge part in that um for those who don't know uh, i am a transmasculine individual a gender transmasculine individual uh, and it took me transitioning about um, and, and living my my life as my authentic self to realize, like, look, I literally cannot move forward until the person I used to be tells their side of the story, tells mm -hmm. their history. Mm -hmm. Because and this is very important for any trans people who are um, listening as well. You are to honor yourself, the person that actually protected you so you can be the person you are today. Mm -hmm. And that person has a history. Um, and I know for me that I seriously could not live my life fully um, as myself until I, I healed. And mm -hmm. my way of healing is, you know, not being afraid to tell the truth. It's because it, it didn't come easy. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat. I'm not going to sit here and trip. It did not come easy at all. Um, it took a lot of, a lot of, me not being fearful of what people thought anymore about mm -hmm. the past, whether it be, you know, my family or uh, people I interacted with um, throughout my uh, adulthood, my early adulthood, um, I had to come to terms with, it, it wasn't, uh, my, um, a friend of mine who's also an author, I remember her telling me, like, look, if they, in regards to other people, um, she and her name is Diamond Cartel. Definitely check her out. Um, but she said, if people were really, if if people really cared about what they look like, they should have showed up different. Mm. And so that's when I was like, oh okay. That's I know. And while I'm always afraid of what other people, uh, what other people thought, because I was the caretaker of my family, I was mm -hmm. the caretaker, the protector of the family. That was my archetype. And um, it took her saying that to, to realize that, look, these people did not, the people who hurt me, uh, yes, they were coming from a hurt place and they really didn't care about my well-being mm -hmm. um, as long as they got what they, as long as they, got what they wanted. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, for my own sake and for my own peace of mind, I am to tell my truth regardless of what it looks like. Mm -hmm. So that's where, uh, that's what happened and where that came from, that, that, that feeling of I can't keep this inside myself anymore. I can't keep this inside anymore. My story is just as important, mm -hmm. you know, as the, the as the people um, who didn't show up, who didn't show up, you know, in a way that was um, that was beneficial to me. 
Exactly. Oh. That's where I came from. Word. I mean, um, one thing that I I'm that's coming up for me and just even hearing you speak around how important community has been, um, how important in that shift in community has been for you and how you started focusing on your needs um, in general. And I think about, I've been doing for a few years, maybe about six, almost seven years, doing a lot of work in um, restorative justice. And it did start at that school that I was placed at when I was in AmeriCorps. Um, it started there, the restorative justice work around looking at, um, you know, and getting through conflict and building community, um, looking at your inherent needs, right? And when you talked about work with inner child being like, hey, I have to go back to source and think about what needs weren't being met then and how do I make sure that those needs are met in my adulthood? Um, and I mean, those are just, I just wanted to uplift those things and, and hearing you say them um, because it's just like, I also <laughs> am reaching in myself and being like, wow, like this is so real. We don't always, I guess when we're moving through those things, those words don't always come up. But then once I'm like reflecting on <laughs> even my path, like thinking about, oh man, like, yeah, that all was stemmed from this inner child work that maybe I didn't have a name for, but what I was tapping into often and what I'm tapping into often and like, um, and seeing come up for me sometimes even like this past week. <laughs> um, and that, that role of, of caregiver. Um, I don't know if you wanna go more into detail about what was your process as far as, um, or what do you feel people can, yeah, if you want to share any resource or that you think people can use as far as moving further in their path to do inner child work. Like you can definitely, if your book is one that you want to name, if you want to name your social medias so that people can also um, continue to learn even past this interview. Um, Nikila is a really good resource because she um, has inner child energy or inner child healing um, guided meditations. And the uh, guided meditation is extremely important to me. Mm -hmm. um, writing. Um, is a is a resource too. Um, mm -hmm. Meditation is a resource that um, I often use. There's also this book that I am reading called uh, Reconciliation. It's actually written by a Buddhist a Vietnamese Buddhist monk. Mm -hmm. um, and his name, if, if please forgive me, is Thich Nhat Han. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Teach Nhat Han. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm reading his book right now. And it's very um, very informative, especially when it comes to um, ancestral work and how 
seeing that your parents, you know, um, also have inner children. Mm-hmm. They also have, uh, and those inner children could have been raising you. Mm-hmm. And that's probably one of the reasons why they don't know or did not know how to um, raise, you know, um, they didn't know how to raise a child in a healthy manner. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and my whole book is really good. I, uh, it talks about the conscious mind and unconscious mind, how um, forgiveness and mindfulness is extremely important in this process. Um, and I was, it, it, it's incredible. Um, this is the, um, you're talking about the same book or is this another book? This is, no, this is the same book. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Um, and you can actually uh, get it on PDF if you are not able to oh. um, purchase it. But that, that's the resource. Instagram, uh, there have a lot of um, inner child healing um, pages on there. Um, the holistic psychologist uh, is really good. Holistic um, psychologist? Yes, the holistic psychologist. I highly recommend them mm-hmm. um, because they often talk about you know, what it's like to repair yourself, um, what is, how important that is to repair yourself and to um, talk to your inner child the way you would like your parents to talk to if they were healthy, right? So those are the resources that come to mind. But there are so many articles um, that focus on inner child energy and working with that inner child energy. So, yeah, and, and also in that, um, would you be willing to share your social media name and tags and so that okay. our listeners can also tap into resource with you? Yes. So um, you can reach out to me on Instagram and um, Facebook. The, not the Instagram, um, I would uh, call my, uh, talk about my podcast real quick. And that's another resource, too. Yeah, um, I have a podcast called The Inner Child Collective where I talk about different topics pertaining to um, the inner child and then I give like an inner child energy message mm-hmm. uh, spirit message uh, after that discussion yes. so you can, you can uh, listen to that on uh, Apple Podcast, Anchor um, Spotify or wherever, wherever you go to uh, the say the name one more time for us The Inner Child Collective. Collective. And your yes. Instagram is at Yeah, so I'm on I'm on Instagram as the Bowtie Psychic. I'm also on um, Facebook as the Bowtie Psychic. I'm also um, on Twitter mm-hmm. as the Bowtie Psychic. Uh, I'm actually getting my um, my YouTube page together. Um but I also do inner child energy readings on there as well, and we'll be doing Where? different cards. Yeah, I um I posted one on my Instagram that really, I I I always feel like whatever I run into on the internet, I was meant to see that day or for some reason, and so when you posted your um, IGTV and it was a reading, an inner child reading. That one in particular really resonated with me that day. I was like, wow, I really needed to hear that. And that also brings me to the next question around, how did you get started in tarot? 
Um, and what have what has been kind of the biggest takeaways from doing tarot? So I started doing tarot uh, in 1999, and uh, I was doing it on and off, wasn't really taking it too seriously. And then I started working with Nikila Asha, uh, and doing and while I was doing my own healing, realized that um, I was I, I still had that relationship with uh, tarot and tarot cards and, and that sort of, that sort of divination. Um, and so I started working. That was in 2016, and I started working with um, with tarot cards. And as far as it. Um, being used for inner child energy work, that didn't really start until like maybe like a month ago where I was like, I can really tell a story with these. Mm-hmm. I can really tell, and, and Spirit basically told me that that is what I am to be doing to help people reparent and heal using um, inner child energy work mm-hmm. and, doing, and using tarot to do so. Um, so I've been doing that and everything started to fall into place, especially um, at the, the beginning of January. So um, that's what I've been I've been doing. And as far as like what the takeaway from it, um, what I and what I've taken away from it is that tarot is basically story building, it's storytelling. It's no different from character development if you're writing a novel mm. um, it's no different from you know um, creating a story for a short story or a novel and um, you're just working with with energy and you're collecting and you're connecting to the energy of the collective mm-hmm. and someone when I, what I learned is that someone resonates with um, the people who um, are supposed to resonate with the message um, will do so um, uh, and um, it's just uh, to me, tarot is a is a it's extremely powerful tool, simply because of that. It's, it's, a, it's a way to tell a story. It's a way to get answers behind the story. Um, it's another way to um, help a person realize why and what on the sub, on, on the unconscious level they do what they do and what drives them. So right. it definitely helps people tap into something much deeper than what's on the surface. Yeah. I'm have to agree. <laughs> I mean, I I think it's really dope like that you have been doing this since ninety nine. I mean, I just recently kind of got into tarot and was working a lot with animal medicine cards. Um and I feel like sometimes those things are shifting, like what deck you might resonate with at certain times of your life and um, or certain points in your life. Um, but for a long time, for me, it was the animal tech, um, animal deck, animal medicine deck. Um, but yeah, I I can say that like in watching even just a few of your um, tarot readings that I've really been able to connect with with them and I'm thankful because they've come at times where I'm like yes I needed to most definitely hear that today <laughs> um, and I really appreciate you saying that thank you yeah yeah for sure 
Um, and that was also part of the reason, because we had talked a little bit earlier in the, I mean, like last year, kind of about you coming on here and and talking about um, these very things. And I'm happy that we finally are getting to this because I think this, I feel that a lot of this information is going to um, touch a lot of people and people who really need to hear it. Um, and maybe they haven't even thought about this being kind of an avenue for them to kind of uh, process or sift through. And so I'm, I'm thankful that you're with us today, for sure. Well, thank, I, and thank you for having me here on the show. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and you're right. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of people are looking for, you know, uh, childhood um, that they're looking for like inner child work, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, just simply because I, and this is how I feel about it. Um, I feel like people are, at least, you know, in the year 2020, people are starting to realize that in order for them to understand themselves fully, they are, under, they are to look back um, at where it all started. Mm-hmm. And inner child energy um, work can actually help you do that, and to and if we're really going to like make it um, more rich, you know, as far as like the work itself. If not, you're not just working with your inner child; you're definitely working with other parts of yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because trauma is in our DNA. You mm-hmm. know, everything that happened to us, um, every imprint, you know. Um, that affected us in some way, shape, or any event that left an imprint, you know, mm-hmm. on us, um, is in our DNA. It's like a tattoo, an energetic tattoo that um, that only we can see and feel, but it affects us in how we view mm-hmm. the world. You know, and so um, by doing that work and starting with the inner child, um, people start to realize that look, you can still well, nurture and reparent yourself. But you can energetically take yourself out of that situation. You can actually energetically remove that that energetic tattoo, mm-hmm. um, that the imprint. You know, mm-hmm. that means you don't have to stay there in your in your inner childhood, in your whatever inner self that you tap into. They don't have to stay in that situation either. And it feels like I feel like people are tired of sitting in their own powerlessness. Mm. Um, so as a result of that. Um, this work and instead of doing this work will help them realize that your story is just that. It's, it's your story that defines who you are. It doesn't define how you think either. Mm-hmm. And you can really change um, your perception of the world for your own inner peace, you know, while doing this work. Word. I, I mean, this is making me like kind of reflect on ways that I've like tapped into my inner child. And I would definitely have to say that working with young people has been what has truly shown me so much about myself. And I think like, because I see not every single person should be working with kids, right? We know this to be true, but I think sometimes once we get to adulthood, we kind of feel like, we don't ever need to do even childlike things like how important play is how important 
um, all of the things that you did as a child, how important it is to be curious, how important it is to, um, you know, have an imagination, <laughs> you know, right. and, and, and then suppressing a lot of those things, right? How we become exactly sometimes who we didn't want to be. And I mean, and, and being around kids, I feel like it honestly, um, encourages me to keep all of those things up and it encourages me to be like, Hey, where's little Shay Shay at? Like, <laughs> what she would be doing right now how would she think about this situation how would she react in this situation you know um, what is a playful way that I can approach something that might not always be uh, I might not always agree with right um, and that realizing like things will happen and things that you don't want to happen will happen sometimes but like how can you tap in and be like hey like it's okay and like how can we move through this um because as a kid like I feel like you were always encouraged to kind of a lot of people were encouraged and we were encouraged in schools to kind of ask for help ask for help ask for help right and then we become adults and it's like don't ever ask nobody for nothing <laughs> and it's like uh you kind of need a community to get this far even if you the first type of community you have even if that was toxic right you found community somewhere else so that needs right. to be applied in your adulthood too <laughs> like right. that you will find you need to find community that can hold space for you and that you can hold space for them too right and mm -hmm. it's kind of something just naturally you see happen with kids too like i really like to i would really like to see more people um stand up and lift up young people and I think that in that then they can do that for themselves you know yeah, what I mean right. like because I feel like so much of our society does not really uplift and empower young people this is why adult people find it so hard to uplift and empower their inner child they think yeah, it's something I, to be ignored I, 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 to like um we, we tend to forget that you know children you know um they are very, like, their form of play is very spiritual. Their form of play is uh, very much about tapping into their imagination and not really caring about what the world is thinking. If only the uh, adults around them or whatever um, environment they are all in, that makes this child realize, like, look, you know, something's not right. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, they get those messages from the people around them, you know what I mean, in the environment that they live in. Mm -hmm. So, and then on top of that, when you're going through any sort of trauma, you grow up very quickly. And mm -hmm. so, there, there are kids out here, you know, whether they're in the fourth grade, fifth grade, or whatnot, they have to grow up very fast, and their childhood is gone. And mm -hmm. I feel like, um, energy and working with children, um, will help you realize, like, look, um, it's okay for you to play, and it's okay for other children to have a childhood. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you repair yourself and heal yourself, you don't see yourself 
as far as the trauma, mm-hmm. you know, in other kids, you're not, you know, you, you're um, willing to protect them, but you're also willing to, you know, give them that, or allow them to have that sense of wonder in, their, in the world, that have them, have them um, maintain that sense of hope, you know, and that sense of imagination. Mm-hmm. And working with children can help us realize that, look, um, we can do that as well. We can still have that sense of hope. We can still have that sense of wonder. Um, and the world is not to be taken seriously just simply because we're adults. Exactly. That's why when it comes to, you know, making fun of someone who is reading a comic book or a graphic novel, they call them that, um, or doing or playing a video game or doing something or even collecting uh, Star Wars figurines or, or anything of that nature. But that's their inner child. That's someone tapping into their inner child. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have that. You know, because the moment um, we stop wondering and we stop having hope, that's when we are giving in to our own despair. And so when we are working with children, we realize um, that, yes, they are counting on us, but we can also learn from them. So much. We can learn so much from them. <laughs> Every yeah. day. I mean, this is probably for another episode too, like, but um I do really want to get into the medicine that is that is teaching and like the medicine that is young people because man, like it's I'll say this, like and I used to be like, Man, this is kinda strange, but like it's really not like Often, like, when I meet people or if I'm in situations with people, the first thing that I see is their childlike behavior. I won't always see, like, the adult person, but I'll see, like, oh, I see this part of you that is still a child. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I always say, and even doing, like, restorative justice work, I was like, everybody's living with their traumas and their triumphs of childhood. So essentially everyone is still a child. They just, they just physically grown. <laughs> but they literally like, if you, I, I mean, I challenge people, even the people who are listening to take the time and really think about when you're having conversations with people and how often they reference something of their childhood or something they used to do, or something they used to like, or something that happened or didn't happen in their childhood. People are often, even in conversation, uplifting a lot of their childhood triumphs, things that they enjoyed and things great that have happened, and also their childhood traumas. And I think in thinking that way, it allowed me to also be like, here's going to be an easier way for me to know when I might be triggered by something, what is triggering me, especially in working with young people, right? I'm like, why, if a kid is doing this thing, is it is it triggering me, right? Or activating me, not even, I don't want to say trigger, but activating me in the way that it is. And then I had to be like, hey, like, remember when such and such happened? Or remember when, like... And then I'm like, wow, isn't that something? Like, something that I feel happened so long ago is coming up for me right now. And it's because 
I still needed to do that inner child work. And it's like an ongoing process, of course. It's not like a thing like, oh, I did this inner child, you know, work and now I'm good and that's it. And it took one try and it was that one time. <laughs> like, you know, I think and just highlighting it even in the conversation that you have been having is like, this is continuous work. Like you're always in the path of work, right? Um, right. Because as I said before, like you're not just dealing with, um, because a lot of us, and I say that, and I said um, that stuff about the the multiple cells, that the multiple inner cells that we have, mm-hmm. you know, to work with, is often because we go through, once you go through that whole, that one traumatic event, whatever that looks like, there's going to be reenactments of that mm-hmm. same thing, mm-hmm. right? So you're going to be reenacting with different people, having in the scenario pretty much going to be the same. Um, and so it's, yes, it's very ongoing, very mm-hmm. much ongoing. And when, when we're working with children and doing this work, we are to be aware of why certain children or why certain types of behaviors um, trigger us or aggravate us in any way, shape, or form. There are mm-hmm. many times when I work with children and they would talk back to me, and I was like, "Oh no!" And I was, just, and I, I could feel feel within myself that flare up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "What's going on here? Okay, why why am I why do I feel this way about this child? Why do I not want to um, associate with this child right now?" Mm-hmm. Going on. And when I when I'm doing my healing work, it's because, or as I was doing my healing work, rather, it's usually because. Um, of how my mother approached me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? How she was aggravated with me and the way that she punished me, you mm-hmm. know, as a result of her being aggravated, that's all I know, right? Mm-hmm. And that's all I've seen. So I don't know anything differently. I received a message that talking back to an adult is punishable, mm-hmm. right? And so when you're working, when I'm working with a child, I'm like, okay, that's where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. That child is just being a child that has nothing to do with me. Exactly. And that's another thing about um, this type of work. It shows you that not everything is around, not everything is about you. Exactly. Not everything is about your triggers. <laughs> not everything is about, you know, someone hurting you. Mm-hmm. Not everyone in the world is thinking about us the way we think about ourselves. Exactly. Right? You know, so it's like, um, it shows us that, look, uh, once we start to heal and once we start to realize that, we are all interconnected, um, and we are all, you know, in this together in regards to, like, uh, our healing. Mm-hmm. That's when we start to realize, like, look, this child may be hurting, this child may be aggravating. We start to see things, other perspectives outside of our own. Exactly. Okay? Mm, that's, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, yes, I just want to uplift that again, just like once you start doing that work, you're not going to take everything so personally. <laughs> right, because we have the tendency to do that. Like, like, I can't tell you how many times I thought, like, even the smallest things, like, y'all really tripping, y'all, y'all really out here to get me, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, or someone can say something to me, uh, and, I, and I will use that as an excuse and I'll go outside. Like, mm-hmm. that, you know what I mean, that I, it, it that's when we are walking around unhealed, and we're walking around as if um, the world is, like, 
the world is a messed up place and against us we're not living our authentic selves we're not living authentic mm-hmm. you know because we really are thinking that uh, because we're so used to those reenactments you know mm-hmm. uh, based on our, our childhood stuff we automatically assume that everything you know every person place or situation is going to show up you know the way our abusers did or the way mm-hmm. our perpetrators have done or have shown up Mm-hmm. So we act as if we as if it's as if we expect it. You know, we expect that type of stuff to happen to us. And so now we're walking around thinking that we're we're de- we're you know in protective mode. You mm-hmm. know, and we're looking for any sign of someone um, who reminds us of what happened the first time, right? Exactly. And so we're walking around thinking that you know the world is against us. We're very much um, not exactly self-centered, just very protective, and we. And the world we, is as if we center our trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, we center it. Um, when you start doing the healing work, and real, and you realize that not everything is about is about how people treated us. It's not about us. Then it's, we start to look mm-hmm. at the world differently. We start to look at people differently. We we no longer see people as enemies. Mm. The world is not an enemy anymore. It's the most freeing thing. Um, that people can actually go through like whenever you reach that point where you're like I can actually go outside and be about my business you know <laughs> and, uh, and interact with people without assuming then that that's when you know you're human mm. yeah I think a lot of things put us in position to always be assuming and I mean your perpetrator can very much be things, you know, systematic things of, of colonialism and capitalism. <laughs> so, right. Right. Um, you know, that's a very real and valid thing, of course, too. And so, yeah, it's like, where do we call in and say, hey, what does it look like for me to actually feel safe? And I found that for me, it has been in finding community in different spaces and places. And those have been friends, those have been family, those have been coworkers. It all has looked different in each place that I've lived and been. And, you know, when I come home to my cats, too, <laughs> that's my solace and community, too, you know. So I think that just, I, I want to call for people to kind of take a look at that and kind of dive into that too. Like, where are you finding that your needs are being met? And is that a place that you can go? And it could be within you too, you know. Um, But like kind of looking at what that looks like in your everyday life. Um, uh, Did you want to say more? Yes, I did. Um, I, I'm so glad that you brought up the whole concept of community and, and, and what it looks like to you because um, what, like, I, what I've noticed for, for me is that, especially since I've come out, mm-hmm. um, your family is not always blood, okay? Mm-hmm. You, you find, at least, at least for me anyway, my perspective, uh, from, you know, um, from my perspective, and from my experiences, I've learned that sometimes your 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 community is your family, and your family is 
manager uh, are people that you've chosen and have shown up in your life who thick and thin, rain, uh, you know, rain and snow and sleet, you know, um, rain, shine, uh, what is it, rain, shine, uh, sleet or snow, snow. Sleet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I, I feel like you start to learn that um, you don't have to put up with stuff, you don't have to mm-hmm. put up with people who aren't show up for you. And so, um, community, we have the we have the power to control our narrative now. We have the power to control who comes to our life, mm-hmm. um, is going to show up in it. Um, we start, and, and this is another thing too. Like once you, um, when I started going through this spiritual journey as well, because the inner child energy work is part of my spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned that you know. I'm becoming more and more intuitive, and when you become more intuitive, um, and you start to realize, like, look, you don't have to put up with everything. You start to feel people's attention. You start to feel as if, you know, uh, their energy before they walk into the room. Mm-hmm. They can be talking, and um, if their energy is right, you'll know it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's when you start to realize, like, look, this person is not a part of my life, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and that's when you start to realize, like, well, who can be a part of my community? Who can be my, um, my, um, my brother, my sister? Who can be, um, part Family. of my, uh, my, my circle of friends? Mm-hmm. Who are going to be there for me? You know exactly. what I'm saying? And so, once you start going through that whole healing process and doing your own inner child work, you start to realize that you're using your intuition, you know, to do spiritual background checks on people. And start to realize that look, this person is not going to have my back, but this person will. And you start mm-hmm. to, and your circle of friends will become more and more healthy. You know, so community is something. Once you go through that whole process of healing, it's something that you realize that you can control. You don't have to be friends with everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, people please. In you can curate your life. <laughs> What's that? You can curate your life. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. You had you can build a support system, a mm-hmm. whole support system based on how much you healed, and um, because you start to realize your self worth, you start to realize that you are worth loving, you are worth um, you know reciprocity, you are worth you know um, mm-hmm. healthy relationships, people, places, and situations. Um, you don't like your standards are higher. You don't um, put up. You don't put up with a lot of stuff anymore. Yeah. I kind of see it like this, too. Like, I think about most creatures and animals and humans are animals. They're mammals. We're mammals, you know. Um, And I think about just because a bird may start off with their parents, right, doesn't mean that that's where it all ends right and in most things in nature you see that they may be born into something but eventually they find their own space somewhere else right they maybe start flocking with a new group of birds they maybe start migrating with a new different bird a new group of birds and it all i think that applies to humans too right i think we are born into the families that we are right and then our path takes us and can take us somewhere else and so i think trying to hold on to things that 
are not for you essentially puts you in more danger <laughs> um, right. as opposed to allowing yourself to flourish in spaces that really uplift, empower, and, and, and hold you accountable in ways that you that are going to be helpful to your overall growth. Um, if a bird stayed with their parents their whole life, they they would not grow in the same way. They would not. They would be essentially in danger, right? Because they would be absolutely codependent on their parental and the family that they were born into, which is not the purpose. Like the purpose is that you are taught or you have instinct and you have intuition and that you go off and you create the family, the friends, the space that you see is just for you. <laughs> like, and if we, you know, it's just like I I do, and I guess that's where like I tap into a lot of animal medicine stuff where it's like I look at, you know, what, essentially is working in nature and and say like yes i was born into all of this mechanistic industrial kind of life right for many reasons but that doesn't mean that i can't tap into what animal medicine looks like what nature is teaching us on a daily basis even in urban spaces you know i think we get a lot of slack for people who live in urban spaces that we can't connect to nature and I don't find that to be true. I connect it in a way that highlights exactly what you're saying. Like, hey, like, this baby pigeon would never survive if it stayed with its parents this whole time. It would never happen, you know? So um, I definitely take that overall from this conversation, but overall, like, essentially that we are getting to a place where we we establish and make the call on what is our best selves um and so i mean i guess my last question for you would be why do you feel like this topic the topic of inner child work is so important to our overall community or you can talk about specific communities that you see this being very important for um but yeah, that's essentially my last question. Um, I feel that um, regardless of what community you're a part of, um, it can work, but I feel like it will especially work for those who are marginalized because we are the ones who are struggling in this world. We're the ones suffering. We're the ones dying. Um, we are the ones who are most um, affected by the industrial complexes that are set in place. Mm -hmm. So I feel like inner child energy work is very important for us marginalized people mm -hmm. because we are to see our strength. We are to see that um, if we are putting ourselves in a position to heal, once we start healing, um, we will see our own power. And when we see our own power, we're not swayed by the world. I feel like the only uh, way to um, to end um, suffering. Mm -hmm. I feel like one of the one of the ways we can end our own suffering is seeing our own divinity. And when we see our own divinity, we can see that of our neighbors. We can see that to the point where um, 
we will see that we are interconnected, and when we are interconnected, we don't need a government, you know, to, to help us. We can help ourselves. We can build ourselves up. Um, we would we would understand white supremacy for what it is, and see that a lot of the ideologies that we are struggling with comes from white supremacy, including our own self hatred. Mm. You know, um, and so once we start doing that work, you know, and start starting our uh, starting to realize, you know, that the problem didn't start with us, and we heal from that. That's when we we can become a true community. Word. But you know what I mean. Um, so that's why inner child energy work is so important. It's so important for our own communal growth, our community growth rather. And I feel like um, once we start seeing seeing that, that's when the revolution starts. The revolution is not external. Mm. It's always within. Mm-hmm. It's always starting with us. Mm. So that's why I, my, I, I do this work, um, especially for the marginalized uh, people. You know Word. what I mean? We need to see our own power. Word. Thank you so much, Javi. I want you to just add, um, share your social media with us again, share your book title and where we can look for your book in the future. Um, whatever you think is important for you to share that pe- so people can connect with you. Um, yeah. Of course. Um, so again, you can find me on uh, the, the Bowtie Psychic, excuse me, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and um, YouTube. You can also find my podcast, the Inter the Inner Child Collective, on um, Anchor, Spotify. Apple podcast or whatever you listen to your favorite podcast and my book uh, my upcoming book is called um, May the Skeletons Come Out and Dance mm-hmm. and um, that was <laughs> I'm working on it but it should be done um, in 2021 if not a little bit before that right so if you are interested in all of those things if you have connected with Javi's story today you already know where to follow him. You already know where to go on Instagram, on Facebook, at the Bowtie Psychic. Okay? And once you do that, then you can be on the path of, you know, seeing when the book comes out so that you can order the book. But if this is a story that you connected with, again, on the Blacker the Berry podcast, you follow Javi. All right? Thank y'all so much for listening today. I really appreciate all of you. And I hope y'all have a dope day. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Javi.